Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. Do you want to know what it's like to have a fourth? Just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm joined by Amy Rose White. She is a psychotherapist and the director of Postpartum Support International, that is the Utah chapter. It's an international organization that helps. Uh, mother suffering with mood disorders, um, and she runs the local Utah chapter. Amy Rose, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you're on the front lines of seeing women who are suffering after either giving birth or adopting or just adding children to their family, mm-hmm. whatever capacity that looks like. And these women come to you and they bear their souls to you. And obviously, confidentiality, you're not going to share any specifics about anyone, but I want to know. On the front lines of seeing these women, what are some of the cultural and societal beliefs that you think many women have adopted Mm -hmm. that are causing them problems? Mm -hmm. Motherhood is natural. Right? Like, I'm supposed to just be good at this. I I should know how to do this. Yeah. Motherhood should be enjoyable and fulfilling. Right. From the get go. Right. Uh, I have teenagers. I'm a firm believer that motherhood is really fulfilling when they're adults. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that was one of my big beliefs. So I experienced a postpartum mood disorder after Lucy was born. And and I, you know, looking back on this, obviously there were hormonal or physiological changes that may have contributed to it. But a large part for me was some of these cultural beliefs, things that I was believing that were just false. Mm. And I just thought they were supposed to be. And, And one of those... You know, I'd always seen the message that motherhood is just, this is, this is life's goal, mm. right? Is mm-hmm. becoming a mother. This yeah. is a woman's job. Mm-hmm. This is what makes you, you. And then I had a baby and it was so hard. Mm. And then I started suffering mm-hmm. and I felt extreme guilt and shame over the fact that I did not like it. Right. <laughs> and I, I felt so broken. Right. And if we think about that core belief, thank you for sharing that. Please tell me I'm not alone. (laughs) You are absolutely (laughs) not alone. It's like 100% of all women that I've ever worked with feel that way. That core belief basically says because you have the biological capacity or if you're fortunate enough to have biological children or bring children into your life in some form, um, you ought to be good at it, enjoy it, love every minute, and be fulfilled by it. Right. And it doesn't really, A, we do not expect that of men in our culture. Right. And it doesn't really make sense that just because we have a biological capacity that our personality and our core identity as human beings be only defined by motherhood. Right. It's one really wonderful aspect of our lives, yep. but it's certainly not the only one. And... Um, Depending on, you know, how old women are when they start their families, I've noticed that that kind of influences how much of their core identity was about 
what I was going to be in the world. I was mm-hmm. always wanted to be a mom. I was going to be a mom. So you're saying younger women often have that belief that that belief more strongly. Well, it just depends. Uh, moms that start their families late twenties, late thirties, early forties often have a, an identity established outside of motherhood. Sure. That's really kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes the transition is even harder for them. Women who start their families really young in life often will find a develop developmental task of identity formation um, that they skipped in I their twenties and, sure. and find it later in life that they start evaluating. Um, what, you know, I'm tired. Uh, yeah. what, what is there more for me outside yeah. of motherhood, especially as the kids start to leave the nest? Right. So there's no wrong or right way. There's just a lot of different ways identity formation shows up for women. And in our culture, a lot of men, even very involved fathers, still kind of are allowed to retain their core identity. A lot of men I work with, they don't question that they'll still get a workout in. Right. That they'll still see their friends. Right. That they'll go to the occasional golf tournament. That they will... Um, you know, still get to have an intimate relationship with their life, their wife outside of um, having babies, which is often a real like blow if that (laughs) isn't often the case afterwards immediately. Um, And yet women will typically drop all of those things, you know, unless they have a job that they're, they are still going to, um, to become moms. Yeah. And that comes from somewhere deeply embedded in our culture. Right. And then women feel guilty for questioning that. Yeah. Should I want something more for myself? Right. Shouldn't this be fulfilling? Yes. Shouldn't, shouldn't this be enough? Shouldn't this be? Yes. And I always like the analogy of a pizza pie or a, a pie mm-hmm. and that motherhood is a slice of that pie mm-hmm. and I am a whole person. That's and right. for so long, I thought it had to be the whole pie. That's right. And when it wasn't the whole pie, I felt very broken. That's right. Like something was wrong with me. And really that, you know, couldn't be further from the truth as many women, as as many women believe that we are multidimensional human beings. And I would argue that whether you're a working at home mom, I I don't believe in the stay at home mom. I don't know any woman that's like staying, like hanging out at (laughs) home. She's she's running around like like a chicken with her head cut off. Right. And there's no such thing as a working dad. Let's just put that out there. Thank you. Right. (laughs) That's right. That term doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. (laughs) So, um, you know, when when whether you are working at home with your children or you have a job outside the home and you are working at home with your children, um, children benefit from seeing their moms as whole human beings. They benefit from seeing them have friends, activities, social engagements, things that nourish them, creative time. I mean, my kids know when I get home, I, I kiss them, I ask them how their day was, and then for 10 minutes, they are not allowed to bother me because right. it's mama time. Yeah. I got to decompress from my day, change yeah. my work clothes, take a deep breath, lay on the bed in starfish position. Right. And then, <laughs> that's literally what I do. Right, right. And then I can go back and, and plug in and tend to them and make dinner and all those important homework things that need to happen. But... I'm modeling for them how to take care of them. Yes. If I don't take care of myself in front of them, they will not take care of themselves. Oh, my gosh. That is genius. That is, yeah. It is probably the most important lesson I've learned and that I feel I have to impart to folks I work with. And I would agree with that, too. I think one of the biggest shifts for me was realizing that I cannot 
teach my daughter to be the best version of herself if I'm not the best version of me. Mm. And best version can mean whatever it looks like for you in your life. Mm. For me, it means going to work, <laughs> mm-hmm. be, uh, pursuing my career, doing things that, that fulfill me in that way, and having a family. Like those, mm. it, it, it shifted from, I think my mindset shifted from like, just for example, like it was an either or working or family. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't do both. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't do both. And I decided to switch that to an and, right? It's a much better word. I can work and I can have a family. My husband can work and have a family. So can I, you know what I mean? That's kind of where I landed with it. And for women who don't make that choice or aren't fulfilled by working or feel very strongly about staying at home, they also need to be giving themselves permission to find a personal identity, even though they are in air quotes here at home. Right. Those moms still get to have a life outside of child rearing and housekeeping. And I think personally, I have been both for a long chunk of time since my children have been born. And I think that the working at home mom has a very hard time giving herself permission. And we have these mom wars about which one is better. And it's so not about that. It's about what works for you and your family. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times too, we kind of, in this day and age, we as women, we're like, we can do anything we want. We can work and have family. But at the same time, women who choose to stay home, like we need to still value that path. Absolutely. I think a lot of times we devalue that by saying, yes, women can go out and do both and do anything because I'm in that camp. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I, I see the value of staying home, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't have to be either or. No, it absolutely doesn't. And really, we kind of have to play around with that to know what's best for us. Yeah. Sometimes we have to experiment. That's so true. Amy Rose White is the uh, director of Postpartum Support International here in Utah, and she's a psychotherapist. Amy Rose, I started this segment by asking you what thing, what cultural beliefs do you see a lot of women, because you're on the front lines of seeing patients who are suffering, women who are suffering after having babies, and um, I mean... What what else do you mm-hmm. see for them that, that is bringing them stress that we need to change about our culture? Well, there's a saying that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I would say comparison and expectation ah. are the thief of joy. Yes. Most women in my office, particularly who predominantly have anxiety, have huge expectations about how their past life was going to maybe continue Mm. to go on in exactly the same way. And that may be about how their bodies were going to look, how their bodies were going to function, how their relationship with their partner was going to be, the kind of mom they were going to be. Were they going to be an attachment parenting mom? Were they going to be a sleep training mom? You know, there's so much input from relatives, from books, from social media about the right way. So when we have expectations about, say, you know, how the birth is going to go, it starts the moment we decide we even want to have a child. We begin to have this fantasy in our mind. Those expectations are actually quite dangerous. Right. Because they almost never match up with reality. Right. So if we can start to talk about flexibility and learning to go with the flow, most of us high-achieving women, (laughs) you know, have been successful because we believed we worked hard and we got where we were. The reality is working hard doesn't, and planning and reading and researching and doing all the right things doesn't always get you the outcome you want. Sure. So believing that sets you up to beat yourself up. When the birth doesn't go as planned, the kid 
you know, cries all the time and doesn't sleep. You have a child with a learning disability. You know, you have a child with special needs. You have a body that now looks completely different. It's a setup for a lot of depression. And I think the biggest shift for me in that regard was switching my beliefs from the mother I thought I was supposed to be to the mother I actually am. Mm. And that mother is kind of (laughs) lazy, that mother, but lazy in a good way. Like, I don't worry about the stuff that doesn't matter, right? And you've learned to do that. Yes, I've learned to do that. And I've, I've learned to to not be the mother I thought I was supposed to quote unquote supposed to be. And you see that everywhere. It's in your face, right? I feel like I would say this, that parenting in 2019 is just like a barrage of information that's just bombarding you of how, what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, I just like, I just dropped a lot of that, you know, for Mm -hmm. example, screen time. I don't care. I just Mm -hmm. don't care. I know I'm supposed to care, but I just (laughs) don't have the energy to like fight my kid on it. Now I, make her turn off the TV every once in a while. But I just, I just don't beat myself up for those things that I think I'm quote unquote supposed to do. Right. I I am so glad to hear you say that and also give that as an example, because there's just a corner, we can turn every corner and find another place to beat ourselves up when we're not doing it well enough. I have a little sign in my kitchen that says good moms have sticky floors, dirty ovens and happy kids. (laughs) Yes. And that, that for me is kind of says it all. Yes. I often tell my clients that I, my mom took me to the library religiously when I was a child and I was a voracious reader and I'm an only child. So it was, you know, probably easier for her than mom with five kids to take sure. me to the library. Yeah. So I thought that good moms take their kids to the library. Right. Well, I had a child who, you know, was kind of a fussy guy and didn't ever nap and was on the go all the time. And um, I would take him to baby story time and he would be the kid running around like you know crazy right while all the other you know compliant kids are sitting and listening to the story <laughs> and that's my story uh, that's just like yours right? yeah. I just gave up I was like yeah. you know what my kids literally I've taken them to the library maybe five times in their life and then they've gone on field trips and we have tons of books and I read to them like crazy but I just took that off my list of what good moms do yes because it was more hassle than it was worth right and I stopped judging myself for not being library mom <laughs> I love that example. And I want, we need to take a break, but I want to get more into quote unquote, what good moms do. Mm. Because I think this is where we see a lot of the suffering with mothers, uh, you know, after having kids is we have this expectation, like you said, of what quote unquote, good mothers look like. So I want to talk about that when we come back on the mom show. Back inside the mom show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us. We have just a few minutes left. I'm joined by Amy Roselight. She is a psychotherapist and the director of Postpartum Support International, the Utah chapter. Amy Rose, thank you for being here. Okay, I want to dive into this real quick. You see a lot of mothers who are in distress and suffering because you're a psychotherapist and you work with clients. Um, so, what in your mind is uh, a lie that our culture tells us about what a quote unquote good mother does. Cause this is what mm-hmm. I think a lot of women may be suffering because they're believing that a good mother does fill in the blank and they're not meeting that. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the primary myths is a good mom has a child that X, Y, Z sleeps through the night, mm-hmm. doesn't hit is really smart. Right. Is on the all-star football team or right. baseball team. So see, I don't have kids in football, right. but when, you know, is is an achiever. Basically, that the child's achievements and behavior and affiliations are a direct reflection of the mom's capacity. 
And how do you dispel that myth for women that come to you and say, my kid's not doing this. I'm such Mm -hmm. a failure. It's hard Mm -hmm. because it's a real deep core belief. You know, I've been challenged with it myself. What I talk about with women is how children are such a gift to help us dispel the illusion of control. Mm. And we really think we have all this control in our lives. And we certainly can effort and we can certainly see the results often of our efforts. And all we can do is our very best. And we can influence. We absolutely can. Yeah. I, I, I think the quality of connection with children is more important than focusing on any of these tasks like how many languages they speak or how quickly they learn to read. Mm. That's what I focus on. So great. So if you want to have a litmus test for what you can control and feel accomplished in motherhood, throw out all of those other kind of concrete variables and look at the quality of the relationship. Wow. Does your child feel safe? Did they turn to you when they fall down? You can work on that. I have another guest that I often have in this show, Dr. Julie Hanks of Wasatch Family Therapy, and she says motherhood is a relationship, not a role. Exactly. It's not your to-dos. It's not all the things that you're supposed, quote-unquote, supposed to do mm-hmm. with your kids. It's, the like you said, the quality of connection. That's right. It's all about the relationship. So the screen time, you know, I know you, and I know you have a relationship <laughs> right. with, with your children. Right. And so the relationship is just it, all those other things, you know, how many times they eat pizza a week or whether right. they eat organic food or how many activities they're in. Those things fall by the wayside, and they actually... You know, they just don't matter when there's not a lot of connection and relationship and safety. I love that so much. Amy Rose White, where can people find you if they're needing help, needing therapy services or needing just help support? They can Google Amy Rose White LCSW and find my website and my number. And for postpartum.net, you can find resources for social support, um, maternal mental health resources in your community and around the world. And PSIUtah.org is our local PSI resource. If you're needing a referral to a counselor who specializes in maternal mental health, the best thing to do is to call or text Help Me Grow. They have the database of all the folks we've been training over the last five years that we've been around um, who have a lot of education in this and can help you move forward. That's so great. Help Me Grow. More people need to know about that. They do. Thank you, Amy Rose, for being here. And we'll be back next week on The Mom Show.